Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 17 Preview Edition. Plenty to talk about, plenty of news on the agenda. Back to a nine-game full round, of course. So uh, some big previews, big games and big previews of them. Headed your way, as I say, very good morning to my footyology co-host, Mr. Rodney A. The Rocket, I know you're a keen cricketer, I've, I've got to tell you. What do you make of the Johnny Bairstow stumping controversy? Because uh, I'll tell you what, I'll say this. If ever there was a good time for this uh, country to be considering uh, becoming a republic, I reckon now might be it. <laughs> <laughs> might be the one. Yeah, it's, I think in isolation, if that's the only time it's ever happened, I think, uh, well, maybe you'd call him back. But there's so many instances that's happened across world cricket where probably McCullum's been involved in three of them. Um, uh, Bearstow's tried two or three of this innings, uh, this game, sorry. Um, oh, I think it's 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 in the rules. It's it's fair. Um, so I think uh, after what happened with Mitchell Stark, it's a little bit different with the catch. You just accept the unbiased decision. But... Uh, uh, I think the English media's got something to take away from losing the game, and that's that's their focus. Artie got great at serving up pantomime villains, and uh, two come to mind. One is Stuart Broad, who I call the poor man's Draco Malfoy out of Harry Potter. And the second one, of course, is uh, media tycoon Piers Morgan. You can always rely on Piers to become a cartoonish villain. And the way he's carried on this week, mate, if you're listening to this, have a sook, seriously. Uh, but we are here to talk football, and uh, there is plenty to discuss. Let's start off with some news all week. On Footyology, News Feed. Well, late in the season, coaching jobs always uh, on the agenda, and, uh, well, two about which there's been plenty of speculation over the last few days, uh, one Gold Coast and one Richmond. Uh, the Gold Coast position we'll start with. Um, Stuart Dew contracted until the end of next year. He signed a two-year extension midway through last year. Uh, but uh, it just seems every time the Suns have a, a bad performance, uh, it comes up again and they had a shocker at the most inopportune time against Collingwood last Saturday night, 78-point belting. Uh, and uh, some fuel thrown on the fire, not unusually in this case by Footy Classified on Monday evening where Caroline Wilson uh, uh, opined that she believed Stuart Dew's position was now in serious doubt. He could be replaced before the end of the season and that Damien Hardwick appeared the man to take over. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not here to comment on Caroline Wilson, but Siri Jew uh, certainly did, and uh, Mark Robertson, the Herald Sun, had seemed fairly eager to report the comments of Stuart Jew. Uh, I'll just uh, run through what those comments were. He said, there's no accountability. Last year, Clarkson's got my job. Then he's got Essendon's job, Carlton's job. In the past 18 months, she's gone six or seven times about me. Not once has she bothered to pick up the phone to me. She just doesn't care about the person. For me, I've been in the industry for a long time, but it's your family and you're constantly fielding calls from these people. Actually, Rocket, the first thing I want to ask you about this is you've been in this position. You've been a coach under pressure. The subject of uh, he's about to get the 
sack sort of speculation. How difficult is it to be in that position? It is difficult. Uh, I certainly feel for Stuart. Um, as he said, your family's the one that suffers and, and the one's close to you because they, they feel that. So you've been in, in the game for a while. You develop a harder outer edge, uh, or hard out, outer edge, and um, and you focus on what you can do for your players. Uh, but by the same token, it does affect you. There's no doubt about that. Um, I found uh, my situation once it gets uh, opined, as you mentioned in the media, consistently. There's uh, there's there is a bit of fire with the smoke. Yeah. Um, this which I feel for Stuart in this case, and you know, no did it through him, and uh, no, he's been given the word by Mark Evans, but. Either he's at this stage he's, he's being honest, uh, but whether he is or not um, about his job is safe, well that changes over the next over the next month. Um, only time will tell. But I think it's still early. I think there's a greater things at play here, isn't it? But the AFL own the club, so it's just not the board of the of the of the Suns as well. There'll be issues, and I think for any club, let alone the Suns, but for any club. You got a premiership coach in the what in the wings, albeit it's proved that a premiership coach going on the club doesn't necessarily work. Um, they, uh, now there's always a good chance that someone's going to want him. So whether it's the Suns or whether it's somebody else, there are lots will be making that decision. And it it ups the ante, doesn't it? Having a a big name available in the background. I just wonder, just quickly, do, do you think the AFL sort of having its hands all over the club, do you think that would make it more or less likely that Damien Hardwick could get parachuted into the job? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, you don't really know. It depends how much influence they have. You think they have a fair bit of influence and market would the AFL. So uh, I, I still think, it's too too early uh, to make that assessment. I think it'll be judged over the next four to six weeks, really, and then how they put. I think the loss to Collingwood is okay, but it's the manner. Uh, that's the why the questions are asked. And then two weeks earlier, you know, the Carlton game was was really poor as well. So two of the last three have been really bad losses, not only in magnitude, but but the way they played and the way they went about it. So, and they've got a tough draw. They've got a tough four weeks now. Um, one including uh, uh, I play the Lions. I think they've got Port Adelaide this week, and maybe have some killed up. So they've got a they've got a tough tough draw. So the losses may mount up, but if they're competitive and not far off, well, I don't know whether they whether there should be a change. But uh, if there's big losses, there certainly will be. All right. Well, let's talk about the other job about which is plenty of speculation. That is the job, of course, that Damien Hardwick vacated at Richmond. Um, interviews uh, about to start and um, uh, Brenda Gale has indicated recently the club would uh, most likely go for a first-time coach uh, given trends. And you touched on this yourself. I, I wanted to ask you about this because I, well, just before we get there, I'll throw up some of the, uh, what, what do we call them, the usual suspects being thrown up uh, in terms of contenders for this role. We're talking... Um, Adam Uze, Troy Chaplin, who both work at Melbourne, uh, Don Pike and Dean Cox, they're both at Sydney. Ash Hansen, uh, his name's been thrown up for a while now, as has Daniel Jean Syracuse, who's at Essendon. 
Josh Gay is at Port Adelaide. St Kilda, uh, Corey Enright's an interesting one. Um, he's uh, assisting Ross Lyon at St Kilda. Justin Lepich, of course, gets thrown up pretty regularly now, and he's one of those senior experienced people. Uh, one new name seems to have been thrown into the mix of late is Sean Greek, uh, former Richmond uh, Premiership player who's now an assistant at Geelong. But just to Brendan Gale's comments, um, the last six premierships have been won by coaches appointed with four or less years of experience as an assistant before they were appointed. Um, 37-year-old Hardwick, 38-year-old Adam Simpson, uh, Goodwin, Simon Goodwin appointed Paul Roos' successor uh, at 39. So I understand, I, I, I know um, the appointment of coaches tends to be a, a fashion thing, Rocket, but this to me is sort of getting a bit ridiculous about it. Do we now have to fit this template where, okay, so you can't have been a senior experience because the last few of them haven't worked out. You have to be in your late 30s because the last few coaches have tended... You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, they're like, yeah, that's right. It, it, it should have been... I think what... Go back to what Richmond did with Hartwig being reappointed. They went through the whole process about what they wanted and did he fit the bill. Mm. In other words, you've got to pick the best person for that particular job. Whether it's a premiership coach or whether it's a first-time coach, don't be locked in we've got to have a certain type of coach or he's got to be young or he's got to be old, whatever the case may be. So I think they sh- should be working out. I think, it's, let's say, Richmond, and you'd have every confidence if you were a Richmond supporter, what Peggy O'Neill and Brendan Gale did, was mainly Brendan probably their group appoint or reappoint at Damien Harvick. They'll go through a process what sort of coach they would want and does he fit the bill in a whole range. And there's probably, say, eight spokes in the wheel of coaching. If You've got to prioritise those in order that, that suits your club, whether it's uh, connection, uh, game plan, uh, whether it's tactics and strategies, whether it's marketing, what leadership, whatever they may be. Put them in priority, ask the questions around that, and then say, well, this guy is the, is a person that we that, yeah, that we need. Um, and it may be, be Lepich, who was coached before, and it may be uh, Uze, who hasn't coached before. I don't know. But uh, I think... Don't be locked into a certain to a certain time. No, I, I must say, just reading this, it, it just seems to me like uh, it's like coaching coaching appointments version of Moneyball. You know the yes. famous baseball thing, which everyone started obsessing about. It's like okay, you know, last um, X premierships have been won by A, B, C, D, and E. Therefore, so you know you've got to have under four years experience. So you can't have too much experience. That's ridiculous to me. Yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah. And and again, you know, have a look at say just this season, for example, who were who were proving to be two of the best coaches of this season. One would be Brad Scott, who's been around the hoops before, and the other one would be Adam Kingsley, who is a first time coach, but he's been an assistant for something like I don't know, fifteen years or something. I mean, what he's too experienced. I mean, just it's it's pretty ridiculous. I think we can agree on that, don't we? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100% agree on that. So, I mean, they've just got to interview right everybody that they think may be a chance of people who apply and put them in and have criteria. So, they, I think clubs have got to be there. The onus is on them to be well-planned about what they want and ask their questions and put their interrogation the way they want to handle it rather than let the, the um, 
uh, rather than let the uh, interviewee control it and take them out with a PowerPoint and videos and do all this sort of thing. Don't don't let them control it. The club's got to control it and they've got to put them under some sort of pressure and see how they handle that and how they work through it. And uh, and I think you're right, and I've said it before, don't be locked into a certain type, whether it's old, young. I mean, Chris Flagan's gone and he's had success in prison and he was the older type. So yeah. it, it, it's... You've just got to find the cap that fits you, and and it, and it may come from uh, may, may come from a place that you hadn't thought it would do. Maybe it, it's a fifty-five year old guy who's coached before, and maybe it's a thirty-one year old bloke who's just out. You don't know it, so I think there will be surprise about uh, about the people they interview and what, and what they've got to offer. All right, good segue into our next discussion point because I I think we should have a chat about GWS and Adam Kingsley. Um, firstly, so we can pat you on the back appropriately because I know you've been on the Giants pumping them up. And secondly, because I, I think they're a good story. I think they've really got under people's guard. They've certainly got under mine. I mean, and just to refresh people, they're 10th on the ladder. Uh, they've won four of their past five games. Could easily have been five in a row. They only lost by six points to Richmond. Um, but even before then, and we have spoken about this, is how consistently competitive they've been. So uh, lost um, eight games, but only one of those losses has been by more than 21 points. They've beaten Geelong, they've beaten Sydney, both away from home, uh, beaten a top eight team in Adelaide, smashed Rio by 70 points, and now they've beaten Melbourne in their first ever trip to Alice Springs, and their run home actually compares pretty favourably with a few others. They've got um, Adelaide and the Bulldogs. They're winnable. Uh, and the final month, they've got Sydney, Port Adelaide, Essendon, and Carl. So and I also like the, the way the list has developed because we're not sort of talking about the superstars, just the superstars anymore. You've still got plenty of them like you know, Kelly, uh, Toby Greens, Camelio, Lockie Whitfield, etc. But, you know, the likes of Lockie Ash, Finn Callahan, um, they've been important. Sam Taylor coming back's obviously been important. I really like the um, the Irishman too, Callum Brown. So there's something really exciting about them. I know here I am rambling about it. We'll give you a turn, but uh, tell us what you like about them. Yeah, I I thought uh, the mainly at the start of the year, I, I thought having know a little bit about Kingsley and what his belief in footing is, I, I thought under Lee on the last couple of years, but certainly the last year, they became very stodgy in the way they moved the ball. They had a fair bit of talent, but I thought they uh, they actually defended with ball in hand. They didn't embrace the modern game about moving it quickly. And I knew Kingsley was a forward-moving uh, game plan. Let's not go backwards and sideways. Let's, let's take the game on. And I thought they had enough talent around. I probably... Uh, and I thought some of their kids would come on. Um, I thought Callahan was a good player Etc. But um, so I, th- I, th- I thought that surprise. I thought they'd be in around the eight. Which what I, I didn't know whether they'd make it or not. But I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't uh, the doomsayer of a lot of people. Obviously, um, they've had two bad games. One they lost to West Coast uh, round two by nineteen points. It's one of those ones under twenty one. And one they got belted in. But the other ones have been competitive, and um, they probably should be in the eight. There's probably at least two games that they probably should have won. And one was, uh, and they beat Adelaide early in the year, which is a really good win yeah. over in Adelaide. So yeah. um, they're, they're about, so they've had a lot of injuries as well. They've, 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 they've been hurt with injuries. And um, 
I think they've coped really well. I think there's I think your point is a really good point that their superstars have played well and at certain times have stood up, which is great leadership. But their kids and the younger players have, have really come on. I reckon they've come on leaps and bounds. They seem to have a uh, a license to take the game on. I think at times it's killed a game was won. They make just bad mistakes at the wrong time, but they're just younger players, and that's uh, that's going to happen. But I think there's a bright future for the Giants. I think they probably won't make the eight this year, but I wouldn't put it past them over the next couple of seasons. So actually making a projection up the ladder. Oh, well done. What a great judge you are. Uh, well, you got Richmond right too. I, I got them badly wrong. Uh, just quickly, just before you end the previews, just want to touch on the top team on the ladder. Because uh, I was watching them beat up on Gold Coast and I thought, and this might sound a bit odd given they're on top of the ladder, but I still think um, people are underestimating the Pies in terms of how skilled a side they are. There seems to be this belief they're, they're well drilled, they're well coached, they've got a good system, very disciplined, very resilient, you know, they win their close games. But the takeaway for me watching that game was, you know, you had Jamie Elliott's bit of ingenuity around the goals. You know, Bobby Hill dancing around three or four uh, opponents. You know, the Dacos brothers. You have Darcy Moore dashing out of defence. Isaac Cato. And I, I started to think, uh, uh, a bit of hyperbole here, but I started to think Harlem Globetrot is rocking Yeah. No, and I think it's a good point. I I thought of the weekend. I didn't see a lot of it, but there are times when they gave the ball to the runner, like quickly, but the opposition player wasn't far off. That one where Quaino, he, he picked it and he ran on and received the handball about three possessions later. The the Suns player was no more than a, two metres, probably a metre behind him. And the Collingwood player gave it to him. Like most teams wouldn't do that. They, they're not doing that because it's too much risk. And the other one was one going about not when his first goal in the first quarter. And um, our market, they went wide and they took off. And it went to McCreary and he gave the handball to Markov, not far from the players on the mark. Like it could have easily cut off, but he had no hesitation giving it to him. And he took the ball. Uh, the Markov didn't fumble it going flat out. Like a lot of players, a lot of teams give that handball that they fumble and then they give the because there's so much pressure or they're playing at so much intensity. But it's backing your point up. It's not only their kicking skill, but their handling skill. They're, they're, they don't fumble when. when there's not even a physical pressure, but the speed pressure uh, that they're going at. And the times they hit the player in the middle and they hit the handball on, and then it's broken the lines, it's gone. So teams have really got to be on uh, defensively, just not assuming that it's not going to go to the opposition, which is a which is a real art form in itself. And I, I think one thing made Craig McRae to be particularly happy about, it's the foundation of it all is still very good defence, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're number one in the league for fewest points conceded. Uh, I think they're number one on the tackle differential. They're third for contested possession. So they do that defensive stuff well, and then they, they run and create and get yeah. positive off the back of that. But the biggest comment for me, Rocket, on how much better a side they are again this year than they did last year is this. Last year, they won 11 games by 11 points or less. And credit to them, I don't think that was luck. They only won one game by more than 42 points. This year, they've had four uh, wins in which they've belted the opposition by 10 goals plus. Last year, their final percentage was 104. At the moment, it's just on 139. This is a really good turn. 
Airs and um, no, they've got some, and I think their kids are, kids are developing. I think what the opposite. I think Melbourne planned really well against them. Melbourne kicked balling them. Whether Melbourne can challenge them now that French is out there, their forward lines uh, non-existent or doesn't work, but they they probably should have beaten Collingwood by five or six goals. Um, and their pressure was they set up really well to, to stop that extra over overload player or overrunning player. The where Collingwood and what oppositions do they send a forward up the ground to to stymie Collingwood at stoppages and have an extra player around the pressure, around in between the arcs. That allows Collingwood to hold the position. Whoever they play is, that goes, picks up Darcy Moore, and Darcy Moore becomes a loose player. They just do that consistently. Darcy Moore is just a loose player all the time. So you now you've got Howe back. You've got either one of them who's so good in the air and are so athletic that they can cut off any of the loose balls. And then they, because they've got space then, they set, they set the chain up going the other way. So... Opposition have really got to work around about the best way to counter Collingwood and uh, what priority is to stop them, whether it's, uh, whether it's the rebound from defence or whether it's at the source itself and be able to put pressure on around there. Looking very ominous, I think the scariest thing for opponents is the fact that uh, two guys not even in the side last week, uh, Jordan Dugowie is back this week, and Steel Sidebottom is coming back in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, gee, it's, it's looking pretty good for the Pies at the moment. Plenty of uh, time to go still, of course, but uh, boy, are they looking dangerous in terms of the play. All right, that's enough news. Uh, we've got nine big games to preview. Let's rip into it. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Well, the Round 17 action kicks off Thursday evening at the MCG, 7.20pm, with Richmond taking on Sydney. The Tigers are fifth after a shocking 81-point loss to Brisbane. Their biggest loss since round 23-2016, of course, that infamous loss to Sydney, after which an era was born. Uh, Sydney at 13th on the ladder after that draw with Geelong on their home deck. Uh, these two against each other. Sydney have won the last three against the Tigers. 45 points in round uh, three of 2021 was their last win over the Tigers at the MCG. A ground where they've lost their last three games now. Richmond at the MCG this year, not the... Fortress that once was, they've won three, lost five, and drawn one. Uh, some important personnel news for both sides, but uh, how are you seeing this one off the uh, off the bat? Well, I'm, I'm thinking Sydney, even though they haven't done well MCG lately. They should have won last week. I mean, they had a, another team that missed goals that should kick. How many, how many times has that happened? The poor goal kicking, and we've spoken about that, like, Tom Hickey's last week was absolutely disgraceful. Like we spoke about Fox, and that's the one we remember. But Tom Hickey's... And there were two of them for Hickey. Yeah, two of them. And then they Logan McDonald and I think it might have been a Marty dropped two marks within the goal square. Like, yeah. uh, I thought they played pretty well. I thought, uh, I think Martin back will help and will help the Tigers. But they looked, not to spirit was up the right phrase, but once... Uh, once Brisbane actually got through them early, it looked like they just just didn't believe they could win. It seemed like a real mental battle for them. And I think they know they're not going to make the final. Sydney, I don't think will make it either. They're, they've just given everyone too much of a start. But I just think Sydney with Mills back, um, and he's in reasonable form now, starting to his game in order. I just think they probably have had too much run for them. Well, let's talk about uh, personnel because uh, some important names involved for both sides. Now, Dusty Martin is available after missing last week with illness. Uh, Dion Prestia, he's a test after a calf injury, so he's a chance. 
Uh, but you think, given his injury history, probably least likely to be risk. And uh, Jaden Short has got a medium-term wing hamstring injury, so that's a fairly uh, important out for them as well. Uh, for the Swans, Buddy Franklin um, is set to return for his first game since round 13. Could be his farewell to the MCG. Um, Amati will be managed. Uh, what's his injury? Well, they're just saying managed. I don't know, maybe his injury is pride. Um, and, oh, geez, that was harsh. Oh, and Chad Warner, uh, calf injury, he's likely to miss again, Rocket. So that would be a fairly important uh, absentee for the Swans as well. I'm going to go first with a tippy in this one. Oh, I'm gee, They've both been disappointing for the season for me. I had Richmond play in the grand final. You, of course, knew better and had to missing the eight altogether, which certainly looks like the case now. Uh, have they put the queue in the rack? I think we'll know the answer to that question a bit better after this game. Uh, Sydney is still pitching away, hanging in there, so they appear to be uh, more up for the fight. But something about uh, difficult winter conditions on a night, uh, Thursday night at the MCG, just makes me lean towards the Tigers. I may regret it, but I'm going to go for Richmond here. I'm going to go for Richmond by a kick, by six points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think that's a reasonable point. Um, on Thursday night, they had a bit slippery, and, and they played the full momentum game. Um, so that would, should should suit them. But uh, I think I'll stick with my initial thought. I'll go to the Swans by seven points. Sydney by seven points for you. All right, that is Thursday evening. Let's move to Friday. Next on the agenda is a big game of Friday night football. It is the Western Bulldogs up against Collingwood. 7.50 p.m. Marvel Stadium. The Bulldogs are six on the ladder after a good win over Fremantle by 29 points. Collingwood on top, 13-2 after that imperious dismissal of Gold Coast by 78 points. Uh, up at, uh, what's that called now? Heritage Bank Stadium, that's it. Bulldogs and Collingwood head-to-head. Uh, the Bulldogs have won seven of their last 11 against the Pies, heading back to 2014. Uh, pretty good record at Marvel Stadium, as you'd expect. They've won 13 and 19 there since the start of last year. The Pies not so good at Marvel. They've won four and lost six in the 10 games they've played there since 2019. Uh, important team news to talk about, but uh, your initial impressions on this one? I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be close. Um, obviously, the Pies looked fantastic last week. There's a little bit of doubt on a couple of players, main and my check, so whether they get up to goings back, um, which will certainly um, add to them. I thought the um, I thought the Bulldogs last week were a bit of a mixture. They, at times, seemed to struggle, but they, well, the way they finished the game was was really impressive. And uh, now they do rely on Bontempelli. Liberatore is in good form. Their defence held up okay. Um, so that'll be a test from this week, the way the ball comes in from Collingwood. Uh, but Norton um, and... Ugo Hagen will be interesting. He's starting to show his real class now as a player. Lob is the third wheel, which is probably the most expensive third wheel on the competition. (laughs) (laughs) He gets paid for being number one banana. He he plays like he's just dropped out of the bunch. Um, But, uh, yeah, so he's he's an added one. I think they're missing Richards and Johannesson. Richards may be a chance this week. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, you can't go past the pies, really, Uh, 
Marvel should suit the month with the style under Craig McRae. They want to move the ball quickly. They want to run. Um, you know, they want to bounce off half back. So I think in the end, um, you'd have to pick Collingwood, and I think they'd probably win a tight one. Well, let's talk personnel. You mentioned Ed Richards. Uh, ahead of schedule, they're, they're saying after missing a month with a hamstring strain. Oh, it was a pretty bad hamstring. Uh, fitness test later this week, but at this stage on track to return. Uh, still without William Jones down back, and, and that's a significant one. And uh, Jason Johannesson closing in on a return after being out for two months now with a, a really bad, particularly bad hamstring injury. Uh, now, the Pies. Uh, they've got some issues up forward this week. Uh, Brody Majchik has been ruled out for this week with hamstring tightness. Uh, Dan McStay, who hurt his finger against St Kilda round five and hasn't played since uh, didn't claim the VFL last week due to illness, but available for selection this weekend. Now, I wonder if they just parachute him straight in, saying my check's out. That'll be interesting to uh, to see what they do. You, you think not, Rocket? No, no, not, not. And this is not his, but I don't think he's a good enough player to be able to do that. He'll need some He'll need some games to really get his touch, especially missing so, so much last 12 weeks. So I think he'll need a couple of games in the VFL. Uh, the other one the Pies got to keep an eye on is Braden Maynard, who hurt his shoulder again, not for the first time on the weekend. He's going to be assessed later in the week. I've got to be honest, I'm looking at this one and thinking, gee, if you're going for an upset, this might be your baby. You know, the doggy's starting yeah. to look good. We've got that theory about how when they come good, they stay good. And we, we both, of course, uh, and this will be remembered infamously, Rocket, we both tipped Gold Coast to upset Collingwood last week. did. Do we do we now keep tipping the upset and praying like hell that it happens? <laughs> oh gee, it's tempting. Who are you tipping? No, I'll go the pies. I think uh, just especially with going back, I think they'll be able to cover. And I think they'll be able to cover my check. Um, so um, I think the pies by fifteen points. Fifteen points. Uh, no, I'm going to whip out. I can't do it. I'm going for the Met pies as well. Collingwood to win by a slightly narrower 10 points for me. Uh, all right, well, it should be a, a ripping game on Friday night at Marvel Stadium under the roof. Uh, one thing you can say about it is at least it will be dry. First game on the card on Saturday afternoon, 1.45pm at the Gabba. It is Brisbane West Coast. Wow, I'll be packing them in the aisles for that one. Oh, I shouldn't be too cynical, mate. Now, they might up at the Gabba because the Lions are looking pretty good. They are third on the ladder, 11-4 after that massive win over Richmond last week by 81 points. West Coast are 13th. Sorry, they're not 13th, they're 18th. But they've lost 13 games in a row, albeit a much, much better effort last week uh, with a bit of good fortune. May have even pinched it against St Kilda, going down by eight points in the finish. West Coast have won the last eight games against Brisbane, Sorry, try that again. West Coast had won eight games in a row against Brisbane, but the Lions have won the last four. Uh, but the venue is a big factor here. Brisbane, um, a really good home grade advantage, this one. They are 46 wins from 54 games since the start of 2019. Uh, West Coast, though, does better at the Gabba than uh, just about any other side. They've won 16 games at the Gabba and lost 12. So they've won more than they've lost on the Gabatoire, which is unusual territory for an away team. However, given how both sides are placed at the moment, you couldn't possibly see a repeat of that one. I'll give you a personnel um, 
rundowns in a second, but uh, well, you've got to say Brisbane by plenty here, don't you? Oh, no doubt, and especially travelling. Um, the Eagles just whinge your mind about travelling all the time, so there you go. To be up and about last week, A, because they got criticised so much, and B, it was at home. But I reckon in the end, uh, that was a fantastic effort to half-time. They kicked three goals in the second half and only kicked three points in the last quarter. So there's, you can see their fitness, which backs up I've heard that they haven't had a big pre-season. They didn't train hard. And they just, uh, and they and Shuey got injured again. Um, so I can't see them getting close this week. I think they've taken the taken the, the beast off their back. So the media are, are leaving them alone so they'll get comfortable. That's my theory. And I think uh, the Lions will win it in a canter. There's a pretty good work if you can get the beast off your back by not even winning. That's right. No, that's, that's how bad they're going. That's how bad they're going. Now, let's, let's do our weekly West Coast um, injury roll call. 18 on the official injury list this week. Let's run through the names. Burgill, Clark, Cole, Cully, Darling, Edwards, Foley, Jamison, Jones, McGovern, Nat Nui, Petrusky, Seaton, Rothert, Ryan, Waterman, West, Yo, Warswold, Jakovic, McKenna. Uh, just about season. You mentioned Darling. Darling played last week. Did he? Is he got injured on that game? Well, I was just about to get onto that. He is the main concern. Um, shoulder issue, and uh, well, they're expected to make a, a sort of announcement about that last night, but uh, haven't heard anything. And surely heard his hamstring again, didn't he? Didn't he? Uh, he's not August either. Well, again, it's just got to the Razzio Fantasia stage. Yeah, him. he played last week. He dominated early. He really set them up then. And he went off with the hamstring. Uh, well, not being mentioned here in dispatches, so we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, Brisbane, uh, Josh Dunkley didn't train last night, and he's been ruled out uh, this week. That's uh, with a calf injury. Dave Zorko available again after uh, missing a bit. Uh, what's he had? He's had a calf, I think, hasn't he, or a hamstring. Um, and our hopeful cockatoo, Nikai cockatoo, might be available as well. But, yeah, like you, they're... they're they have given the I'm like you. They've given the effort, and it's got the uh, got the bane awards off their back, and now they'll just go into the the comfort zone again. Um, interesting, you mentioning mate. They don't mind a winch about travel. We, we've sort of uh, we've never really forgotten that reaction from them when they were up in the hubs. I know. It's terrible. Shocking what they did. Then they went back to Perth because of their winch. They played mostly games in Perth where they were allowed out. That not like every other team where they had to stay. Um, hold up in the hotel. Uh, they still didn't win games. So, and so you sort of feel like, it, in, a, in a way, they never sort of recovered from that, really. Uh, oh, yeah. no, no doubt. Change their mindset. Yeah, it just, uh, uh, yeah, just had the wrong attitude and um, haven't, uh, as you said, haven't recovered from it. All right. Well, we're just uh, we're both in agreement on the winner. We just need a margin for uh, from both of us. How many points the lines for you? Uh, lines by sixty five. 65. I'm going to narrow it down a bit. I'm going to go to 48, but still plenty. All right, let's move on. The Saturday Twilight game is at Giant Stadium, 4.35 p.m., and it is GWS up against Hawthorne. The Giants, uh, they are flying at the moment, 10th on the ladder now, and they're 7-8 and eight after that great win over Melbourne in Alice Springs by two points. The Hawks, not faring very well at all. They are 16th of a ladder, 4 and 11 after a 10-goal drubby. Ignominious is the word that springs to mind. 
against Carlton, 60 points. Uh, head-to-head, it's dead even between those two. Both won six and there's been a draw. Um, and GWS at Giants Stadium are six and five since the start of last year. Hawthorne, in contrast, yet to win at Giants Stadium where they have seven defeats. Uh, talk about injuries in a sec, but uh, wait, well, you got one team on the ascent and the other one really struggling in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's coincides with Sicily out. They just seem to be rudderless, really, without him. Their, their back line really struggles uh, for direction, being in the right spot and competing well. And if their midfield, which has done really well this year, is is equalised or beaten by the opposition, but they really battle them. They don't get the ball inside 50. And then midfield, while being young, and as I said, it's, uh, done a pretty good job this year, starting to starting to show signs of fatigue to, as a young group. So I think the Giants are on a bit of a roll. Um, I think they'll be tired of sore from the wet last week and the travel. But having said that, I think they've just got too much ability. I think I think the midfield should be equal, if not better, than Hawthorne. Um, and I think uh, I think with their forward line with Green. Um, over, and I think they've just got too many trumps, and I think the yeah, I think the Giants will win this one. I think uh, you really, it, it really is at the stage for Hawthorne, no Sicily, no Hawthorne, yeah. isn't it? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's the one that uh, win of games. There's no that, and he of course is suspended for another week. And uh, well, if you're trying to remember what suspension that was, well, well, that was a shocker. So they've been a bit, uh, been a bit stiff losing him for three weeks. Um, who else is on the cards for them? Impey uh, missed last week with a back injury, so he's got a fitness test. Uh, Tyler Brockman available after missing last week ill. And uh, Chenkov Jack returned successfully from calf and Achilles injuries in the VFL, so he's got to be a Monty to come back this week. You'd think for the Giants, uh, hopeful of getting Brett Daniels back. He's had hamstring issues, but uh, looks like he's more likely to play than not. And uh, veteran Phil Davis made his comeback from a calf injury in the VFL last week. But uh, the Giants, uh, some newfound depth, I think. And uh, the injury was certainly not as long as it has been almost routinely for them over the last few years. So they're in a good place, the Giants. They're flying uh, a serious chance to play finals. Uh, I think they're going to win this one pretty well. Uh, going to go for the Giants by 32 points. What's the yeah, Whitfield's back from suspension as well, so that'll just say even more. So, yeah, I'm the, I'm the Giants by 39 points. 39 points as their resurgence under uh, first-year coach Adam Kingsley continues. <laughs> Marvel Stadium under the roof, 7.25 p.m. See St Kilda taking on Melbourne. The Saints are fifth on the ladder, nine and six after that uh, narrow win in Perth against West Coast last Sunday by eight points. Melbourne still fourth on the ladder, but nine and six now after a two-point loss to GWS. Well, they've been in some uh, real nail borders, the Demons. Their last six games have all been decided by 17 points or less, and uh, their record in them isn't great. They've won two of them and lost four. Uh, St Kilda and Melbourne, well, the Saints won 14 games in a row between these two sides between 2007 and 2016. The Demons are won six of the last nine with the Saints' last win over Melbourne back in 2019. The Saints at Marvel are 11-9 and nine since the start of last year. 
Now, Melbourne's record at Marble is interesting. Now, I remember writing about this one on a, an annual basis. They lost 22 games in a row, Melbourne, between 2008 and 2015. They've actually done pretty well there since, where they've won 12 out of 18. A lot of numbers there, Rocket, but I reckon uh, the history between two sides and the venue is pretty important. Um, well, both uh, secured are coming off an unimpressive win. Melbourne off uh, what potentially is a costly loss. How are you saying this one? Yeah, I don't know how to view this one, Rowan. I really don't. That uh, St Kilda have really come back to the pack, haven't they? And uh, are really in a bit of a rut. Um, they, I know. I think they deserve to win that in the end, of the weekend. They'll have more shots and win it, but they uh, they're not playing that well. Both teams are very defensive. Now Melbourne doing a lot right and so the defensive actions are right there back six is right there midfield probably maybe get Oliver back this week so their midfield's okay they just got no connection going forward now with Fritch out we, we were talking about who who is going to support Fritch as in the tools now Brown played weekend which didn't suit him being wet and they'll probably have to play him again but they they really struggled to kick goals and they had 73 inside 50s which is great to have so many like so I think it's a credit to the Giants back by the holding up. So if they get that amount of ball um, and the way St Kilda play, they probably will because St Kilda like to get numbers back and like to get you on the rebound. So it's going to be who can take their chances, um, which oh, I, it's really a toss of the coin for me. I really think it's a toss of the coin. I think St Kilda will be better than they have been playing at home. They do rebound pretty well. Melbourne just can't kick goals. So it might be a nil or two. And Oh, well, I can't. I, I'm thinking about the absence of Fritch, and it's just, it's so crucial for them, not just this week, but like we're talking about him. So, if people are catching up on this, he had surgery uh, on Tuesday for a fractured foot and uh, expected to leave, keep him out probably until the start of the finals. So, that, there's some major issues out of that for the Demons. Uh, Clayton Ola should make his return. This week, but uh, what the injury gods giveth with one hand, they taketh away with the other. Rocket Michael Hibbard still a couple of weeks away after um, lacerating a kidney in round 15. But up forward, yeah, they just can't settle it down. I, I think I'll expand on this. I think Ben Brown is more important to Melbourne's forward structure than people think, but he's there now and Fritch isn't. So more issues there. I think St Kilda defend particularly well at Marvel Stadium. Um, they've got injury issues too, of course. Tim Membry still probably four weeks away from returning for them. Could be without Josh Battle after, uh, or sorry, will be without Josh Battle after he was concussed in that game against the Eagles. Uh, and Seb Ross, uh, doubtful after a knee injury as well. So, look, the, the Saints have got their um, injury issues as well. It's a good chance for them to pull Melbourne back to the field defensively without Fridge. I can't make up a mind here. Are you going to tip? Yeah, I can't make a mind up. I, I, I just have to go with the Demons. They're getting that much ball inside 50. Um, if they can defend their ball going in there and not let St Kilda out, because that's the way St Kilda score is on the rebound. Uh, Van Rowan have come back in, obviously, to replace Fritz or it's Dink. Um, and, and you've got Oliver back in. I just... I, just think it'll be a battle of defences. I think it'll be a really tough, low-scoring game, which it probably uh, shouldn't be at Marvel Stadium. But 
Melbourne for me by 11 points. Yeah, I'm going for the Demons to scrape over the line by even less, actually. Two points for me. So we, uh, yeah, we're, we're both flipped the coin and it's both come up tails. The other game on Saturday evening is 7.40pm Eastern Standard Time in Adelaide Oval. Port Adelaide up against Gold Coast. Uh, the power second on the ladder and 12 wins in a row now after that uh, stunning uh, dramatic win after the heartbreaking for some of us win after the siren at the MCG against Essendon last Saturday night they won that game by four points thanks to Dan Houston Gold Coast 12th on the ladder after that shocking 78 point defeat at the hands of Collingwood they've won 7 and lost 8 now head to head how's this for a record Rocket Gold Coast won the first ever game between these two sides in 2011 which was in fact their first win ever in the AFL, uh, well, haven't beaten Port since. <laughs> it's 13-1 head-to-head since that famous win. Port at Adelaide Oval uh, have won now on eight of their last nine games. Gold Coast, in contrast, haven't won there. Uh, zero wins and nine defeats. Um, let's talk injuries here too whilst I'm going. set. Uh, big setback with him out for another week or two on top of that weight withdrawal uh, from Saturday's game against Essendon. Uh, that is with a knee injury. Uh, Lockie Jones should be available for his first game in a month. Uh, Tom Cleary about four weeks away. And, uh, well, Arantia Fantasia can't quite get on top of his hamstring problems in a shock twist. This is why I'm just reading the official injury report, but will be tested this week and hopefully will be on hand to present the Orazio Fantasia Memorial Injury Cup for 2023. I've got to give that to Sam Reid at Sydney. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, could give it to Zachary at Essendon because (laughs) he's now been rolled out for the rest of the year too. Something about the names Reid and uh, durability just don't don't go well together. Um, all right, well, this is going to be a belting hit sink, wouldn't it? Or can the Suns mysteriously find something on the road after that uh, drubbing at the hands of the Pies? Yeah, I think it'll be closer than people think. Um, you have a look at Port's record this year, which is great, 12 in a row, but there's a lot of close games, which is great for them to win, but they really haven't put sides away. They don't, they don't put them away too much, and... Um, I think uh, they might just be a little bit off after such an exciting win. Um, there's no doubt the Suns will bounce back. There's no doubt in my mind that the effort will be there. Well, one important point to them, and I'll, I'll let you continue, but uh big bit of news for them is that Took Miller is probably ready to play for them um, after missing, well, geez, missed so many weeks now, but... A knee injury, he's got to be tested, but uh, the odds are that he's going to be right to play. That makes a massive difference to them, sure. Oh, for sure. And I think he's right. Like, you couldn't expect him to play super well the first couple of weeks. It's just going to take a while to find his feet. But certainly his leadership and uh, his effort will be uh, will be a big plus for them. Um, yeah, I look, I think Paul to win, um, as everybody would do, I would think, playing at home, crowd. And I, I just got a feeling... They'll be a little bit off. Um, coming out of the West, uh, great, exciting win. Think, oh, uh, they're just Suns a poor game. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think then you know, they're going to have too much power for them. 
you have a look at the issue for Port though now is Dixon doesn't it looks a bit lame. He's come back and he hasn't been the same person. He's struggling to go sideways. Not that he's ever been a great lateral mover, but he, he seems to be just being up and down playing now. And um, his knee's strapped. He's got bad ankles. So that'll be one that they'd like to actually get some form going into the next uh, four or five weeks going to the finals. But Rosie Butters, uh, Horn Francis is down a little bit of a weekend. But both, I mean, just just got talent. And um, and they, and they, they've got some other weapons around, like Barrels kicking off half back. Houston's a really good player. I think we talk about the the, you know, the top end guns, but these other players are great support. So you, you know, you think Port win, but I don't think they're going to win by as much as people would think. I, I think I think they'll end up winning by about three or four goals, say twenty one points. Twenty one points. Uh, I must say, if, if they were playing uh, this week, a slightly more accomplished side, I'd be tempted to go for the upset because I think, well, Essendon did nearly have them until <laughs> after. After the siren, it might be one of those games where they they win, sort of uh, in third gear, but it end up. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think I'll give them a bit more leeway with the margin, but um, still port for mine to win by thirty six points. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, one ten p.m. GMHBA Stadium is the locale for Geelong and North Melbourne. The Cats ninth on the ladder now uh, with a 50-50 record. Seven wins, seven losses and a draw. That draw, of course, coming last week against Sydney. North Melbourne 17th on the ladder. Two wins, 13 losses after a uh, uh, pretty four loss to Adelaide by 66 points away last week. Um, Geelong against North Melbourne. Well, they've now won the ten, last 10 meetings between these two. The Roos' last win. In fact, all the way back in 2015. And July of the Cattery, the most pronounced home ground advantage in the game. They've won 27 of their last 32 games there. That said, they did lose to GWS down there a couple of starts ago. North Melbourne have lost 9 out of 10 uh, at the Cattery since that uh, famous Round 5 win over the Cats in 2007. Uh, upon which a Geelong dynasty was born. I'll talk about injuries in a sec, but, uh, well, they're just going, the Cats. Well, no, hang on, that's not fair, because they were pretty good against Melbourne two weeks ago, but really ordinary against Sydney, and very, very lucky to hang on for the draw. Do you think, is this a game where they rebuild their confidence, or are they actually vulnerable, do you think, against the Roos? Oh, I don't think they're vulnerable. Uh, maybe a quarter here, a quarter there, uh, you have a look at the Roos, who have who, sung their praises really for a team that doesn't win a game about how competitive they are. They're showing signs, but uh, they really they fell away badly the second half. Well, just before half time for the next half, they were they really just made some bad mistakes. And again, and we've spoken about really suspect down back, uh, really suspect goals from stoppages, uh, goals one on one. They don't support each other. Uh, you know, they don't come off their men to off their opponent to support their teammate. So they really struggled down back there. They've got an exciting future midfield. Um, they're, they're going to be okay in the future. And they've got some talent up forward. But I, I just, you know, they're starting for me to start to tip over the edge after some showing some good signs for six or eight weeks. So down at Geelong, I think for a young side, I think it's going to be intimidating. Uh, the narrowness of the ground. Uh, Geelong part really well. Stewart's in cheaper form. Uh, you're right, though. We're lucky to win last week. They'd be really disappointed with last week's performance. Lucky to draw. 
Oh, so yeah, draw. Yeah, we're even lucky to get that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I think Geelong will win this easy. Well, I'll just talk about personnel before we tip. So uh, both Powell and Shields have got fitness tests for the Roos later this week. Uh, probably less likely to play than likely. Uh, other injury news for them, Charlie Coleman uh, still over a month away, uh, so that's not good for them. Jeremy Cameron, um, bad concussion, so he's not a uh, an absolute certainty to play, but probably likely to be there. Um, on the way back in full training for them, Mark O'Connor will be available if he can get through training after missing last week with a minor adductor injury. Uh, their injury situation a lot better than it was earlier in the season, though. I guess Cam Guthrie's the major one for them with that toe injury, and they're still saying medium term for him. Um, I just cannot tip against Geelong ever at GMHBA Stadium. I mean, even against the really good teams, let alone a, a young developing team like the Roos, the only if for me is, you know, sort of what sort of Geelong are we going to be? I'm confident that Geelong even in third gear is going to get the job done here. But um, I think they'll be a bit stunned by that ordinary performance at the SCG. And it might be one of those ones where they uh, they click and put an opponent to the sword. So I'm going to go for a reasonable size margin here. Geelong by 40 points. So, hey, what do you reckon? Yeah, that's very soft. No, that's a... That's a very narrow mud. Oh, I think... Uh, oh, come on then. Go bump it up. Go on. Well, you were get bagged the other week when I picked uh, someone to beat the Eagles by 80 points. You <laughs> picked uh, um, uh, 51 on. points. Oh, come on. I thought you were going to go to three figures. Come oh, on. No, I won't get that much. <laughs> so 50, how many? 59. Oh, 59. I'll go 59. 59, okay. Oh, how bright. I am. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on to the second game on Sunday. Well, it's a big game at Marvel Stadium, 3.20 Sunday afternoon. Essendon up against Adelaide. The Bombers ninth on the ladder now after that heartbreaking loss to Port Adelaide after the siren last week. Adelaide are seventh on the ladder, eight and seven after a big win over North Melbourne by 66 points. Head-to-head. Essendon won the last five clashes between those two. Adelaide's last one coming back in 2017. What about at Docklands? Essendon uh, 8-4 there since the start of last year. Uh, the Crows, not so good. They have lost five of the last six. Um, I'll talk personnel in a moment, but uh, it's a tough one, Rocket. What do you reckon? I think it'll be a great game. I think Essendon, again, not surprised it's not the right phrase, but they've been consistent in their uh, improvement and their development and their maturity. And probably are lucky not to win last week. Um, Cord was a really good player, Redmond down back. So their younger to middle-aged players are really, uh, really stepped up and really improved. And so, you know, you like what they're doing. Uh, to me, it depends on what Adelaide team turns up. Not that they're Jekyll and Hyde as much as a lot of other teams like Fremantle, but... They, they can have lapses and it can hurt them. I, I think on paper, I know what you do with paper, and, uh, and I, you, you would think Adelaide should win this game. And playing a marble, it's dry, show their skills, they're an extremely good kicking side. Um, they've got talent up forward. They can really, and they, you know, Phil Thorpe started to show a little bit last week. I thought, I've been reasonably disappointed with his, his development, but him and Walker 
Um, they've got Pedler, they've got Rankin. Um, they've got, you know, Rochelle's not kicking good, good for goal, but they, they've got some talent up forward. And I think with their midfield, I, I think I think Adelaide will win this one. Well, top personnel, uh, so the cries, Jordan Butts concussed last week, um, so he will miss this one. Um, don't uh, do they out for the season, of course, with a knee injury, but that's about it for the Crows. So their injury list is uh, pretty short indeed. Essendon got Dylan Shield back last week. He came on late as sub, uh, didn't really have an impact at all, but might be okay to play in the full game this week. I guess the most important one for them is Sam Draper set to miss a third game, I think it'll be, as he recovers from a hip injury. And Riley O'Brien playing pretty well for the Crows, so that could be Important for them, um, Setterfield uh, still out of the mix, still a couple of weeks away with a foot injury. And as I mentioned, uh, Zach Reid, he's now had surgery on his hamstring and will miss the rest of the season. It just literally has barely played since he'd been drafted. And um, I don't know, Essendon has this history of high draft picks that just don't play because they're perpetually injured. So, uh, well... Uh, Godspeed to you, Zach Reid. Let's hope we can actually see you produce some decent footy because uh, reports are he's a very, very talented player indeed. And ditto the season for Harrison Jones, of course, with an ankle injury. Uh, you know, look, my head is saying Adelaide, my heart's saying Essendon Rocket, but I just, I don't know, I think I've got a feeling the Bombers might be a bit well, pretty peeved about what happened last week and might be keen to make that a statement against the Powers South Australian stablemate. Wouldn't power people love that too? So it's <laughs> not docked over Adelaide. Uh, you know, I'm going to let you tip first, but you'll you'll go on the Crows, you reckon? But yeah, I will go the Crows. I think. Uh, I think. I mean, both teams have got a lot to play for. This is a really big game at in the next six weeks. So. So what's are these two teams that their that their future's in their own hands now? So are they they're not relying on other teams. So it's a really big game. I, I expect it to be close. Well, I just think Adelaide's ability to hit targets under pressure and their skill level at the right time, as long as they bring that intensity. So I think they're pros by fifteen points. Fifteen. I go from the bombers. Uh, by two points. Uh, actually, I don't know what we are head to head right at this stage, but it's very tight. So it's important for our tipping race too, Robert. Because <laughs> so, I'm mean, a couple of bad weeks, you know? A lot of you have a lot of emotional energy invested in that one. So I'll go on the Bombers by two points. And the weekend of footy finishes with a game in Perth, 4.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Optus Stadium, Fremantle, taking on Carlton. The Dockers are 11, 7 and 8 now and have lost three of their last four games after a loss to the Bulldogs. The Blues, 14, six wins, eight losses and a draw, but a good win over the Hawks by 10 goals last week. And uh, they've won their last two now after six losses in a row. Uh, Carlton have won five of the last six games against Fremantle. The Dockers at Optus Stadium are 13-7 and seven since the start of last year. Uh, Carlton have gone okay there. They're, they are four wins and four losses at the ground since um, its birth back in, uh, what was that, 2018 we started playing. At Optus Stadium, uh, some important injuries I'll talk about shortly, but uh, this is a tough one to pick too, Rocket. 
it is a tough one to pick and uh, uh, more about both teams to check on high which one's going to turn up. Um, Carl, the last couple of games have showed the enterprising footy. They've decided not to go sideways and be, be stodgy with their ball movement. They've moved it quickly, quick hands, give their forwards a chance. I know I know all of them were pulled last week, but they were quite impressive the way they went about it. They looked dangerous. Fremantle as well, well, you don't know who's going to turn up. Last week they, they were there about and then just fell over at the end. Um, you think at home they'll be a lot better. They've got pace. They've got pace. Frederick and Henry and these players, just and Switowski, just just at home they seem to play better again uh, when they've got the home crowd. So it, it's going to be a tough one to, to pick. It's going to depend really on which particular team uh, or the positive team turns up. Um, and that's a flip of the coin. Uh, for me, I just lean maybe towards Fremantle playing at home. It's, uh, let's talk about personnel because some big names involved and uh, none bigger, of course, than Nat Fife, who has suffered a stress fracture in his left foot um, and his uh, season now in doubt. Uh, the other main injury for the Dockers, Hope Chapman, um, he was on the verge of returning from a hamstring injury, reported tightness in his other hamstring and did not play as planned in the waffle last week. So uh, he will not play this week either. Uh, the Blues, uh, Ruck Duo will be put through fitness tests and training late in the week, and we're talking about there, of course, Tom DeConey and Mark Pissonet. Uh So obviously that's uh, critical for them with Sean Darcy, such a good player for the Dockers. Uh, Paddy Dow... Custom VFL level, he won't play this week. Sam Fisher unlikely to return. Uh, Sam Durden, hamstring, Taylor Bartsback, ankle made their comebacks through the VFL last weekend, so available if required. Uh, gee, uh, can I be brave enough? I've just got a feeling about the Blues that they, they were pretty impressive against the Hawks and admittedly didn't have a bit to beat, but they've got a history of some stirring wins on the road, particularly against this mob. And I, I keep thinking of uh, two games in particular, Mark Murphy kicking a weight snap against them. And then, of course, Jack Nudes, uh, which, uh, in fact, I think someone ranked, I think it was ESPN, actually, uh, our own ESPN, um, have been have, having a list of ranking after the goal, after the siren shots to win games since 2000. I think there's been 30 of them. And uh, Jack Nunes, I think, came in at number either number one or number two. Um, there was a quality shot. Anyway, it's just uh, it's stuck in my mind. I've just got a, a hunch about the Blues. Can I do it? Now, let's finish the podcast with a bang. I'm going to go for the Blues to cause a major upset, Rocket. Carlton to win by four points. What do you reckon? Uh, I, With no confidence, I will go to Dockers by 13. 13. I reckon if you tip a result like this, you should get two for getting it right. Not to, that, that's fair, isn't it? No, I, yeah, it's more, yeah. It, it, it is certainly is a tough one to pick. There's no doubt about that, the last couple of games. Uh, we'll finish the round off very nicely because there's some um, average looking games before that. So uh, the last two should, uh, should, should whet the appetite. Uh, it's a mixture uh, round 17. We've got some Barry Crockers, but there's some pretty good games too. And, of course, we've got another Ashes test 
to keep us enthralled and no doubt more controversy and more banging of the palms to do. <laughs> Go Aussies. That's all I can say is we uh, can prop up our eyes uh, with matchsticks staying up till the wee hours watching that one. Uh, good work from you, Rockets. Um, thanks, everyone, for your company. Hope your team gets a win this week. Uh, we'll catch you later.